Welcome in to the wild, wild Midwest. You are listening to the Blue Notes podcast, a presentation of Indianapolis Colts stories and notes. I'm your host, Benjamin Taylor. Well, the initial 53-man roster has been announced, and I've got some thoughts, don't we all? We all have some thoughts. So in this week's episode, we will address those thoughts as well as the current state of the Colts. Stay with me. This is episode number 28, and the man who wears that same number on his jersey is none other than Jonathan Taylor, the 2020 second round draft pick. Some years ago, Marshall Falk donned the distinguished number 28, and Falk was awesome. But I want to focus on the present. Here's my hot take. Are you ready for it? Jonathan Taylor is going to be an elite running back. That's it. That's my hot take for the episode. And I think his elite status starts this year. Do not be surprised if he leads the league in rushing this year and becomes the best running back in the league over the next two to three years. These things are always difficult to predict, but with Jonathan Taylor, we're not running toes tied in the dark. With running backs, I always like to consider three factors. Talent, scheme, and opportunity. The right mix of these three will produce a great season for a starting running back. At this stage of his career, I cannot speak to Jonathan Taylor's talent with any certainty. Although his rookie PFF grade was higher than the rookie grades for Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook, Christian McCaffrey, and Ezekiel Elliott, I honestly don't know how good Jonathan Taylor is at reading blocks and seeing lanes develop. Those are running back skills that I can't speak to currently, but what I do know is that Jonathan Taylor has elite makeup. Things that you just cannot coach. He is built like a boulder and has 4-3 speed. Prayers up to all those small cornerbacks and safeties that might meet up with JT in the open field. If I were a defensive back and saw JT get past the line of scrimmage, I would run in the other direction, unashamedly. Taylor's vision improved over the course of the 2020 season, and the word from training camp is that he has become a better blocker and pass catcher. Camp rumors also say that Jonathan Taylor is clearly the most talented player on this offense, and it's not close. He is certainly talented enough to take a leap in 2021. The scheme is another contributor for a running back's success. It seems like you could pull any Sam or Larry off the street, and he would run for two touchdowns with the 49ers. I can't think of a better scheme for a running back than the gap concepts they're running in San Francisco, but Indy isn't bad. It's not so much the scheme, but the commitment to the run that works in Taylor's favor. The offensive line should be really good too. Given the question mark at left tackle and the uncertain availability of Nelson and Kelly, I can't call the Indy line great, but they should be good. Lastly, I consider opportunity. It doesn't matter how much talent a guy has or even how good the scheme is if the player never gets a shot. That won't be the case for Jonathan Taylor. To this day, new quarterback Carson Wentz has logged only a handful of practices. He's going to need some time to create a rhythm with his new receivers and the offense. Marlon Mack still needs some time to return to his former self after the Achilles tear. 
So I don't see him as a threat to steal touches from JT either. The fastest and best way for this offense to succeed right now is to snap the ball and hand it off to Jonathan Taylor. Maybe things balance out later, but I see Jonathan Taylor coming out of the gates with his hair on fire. When you consider talent, scheme, and opportunity, you can't name another player more primed to break into elite status than Jonathan Taylor. Bet me. (laughs) Okay, let's talk about this roster. The initial 53-man roster was announced Tuesday, and I stress initial. As soon as the roster was solidified, it began changing again. Paired with the roster movement was some unpleasant Colts news. It has been a week, let me tell you. I debated on whether to even do an episode this week because my mother always taught me to not say anything if I don't have something nice to say. And for much of this week, I couldn't muster a kind word about the state of the Colts. But alas, here we are. In Blue Notes fashion, I've organized these roster thoughts into three categories, the good, the bad, and the messy. Let's jump right into the good news. Seven wide receivers made the roster. I wondered if this could happen given the shifting for COVID protocols and of course, the injuries to T.Y. Hilton and Desmond Patman. Well, it did. All that talk about Ashton Doolin versus Patman and they both made it. Well, at least for now. The good news here is the commitment to younger talent. One day, perhaps sooner than we want, this team will see life after T.Y. And what is it going to look like? Giving Patman and the rookie Michael Strawn room to develop can pay massive dividends over the next few seasons. And right now, the Colts are able to do that while keeping Ashton Doolin active on special teams. It was an unfortunate path to get there, but the Colts get what they want and need with the wideout group. More good news, the defensive line. All through camp, the D-line dominated the Colts' O-line. But it was hard to score because the camp version of the O-line was a shattered picture of what we hope to see here in a few weeks. But the defensive line held up, and that was mostly without its best two players in the middle, DeForest Buckner and Grover Stewart. The ends are somewhat unproven, but loaded with depth. New draft pick Quiddy Pay scored the highest PFF grade of any rookie defender in the preseason. Pay so far has proven to be the right pick for the Colts in the first round and is expected to be the day one starter. Ben Banigou is surging, Kamoka Ture is healthy, and the addition of Dio Adangbo sometime in the next couple of months could tip the scales for this unit. The defensive line might be the best position group on this team right now. I mentioned the offensive line earlier, and yes, it was in shambles for much of training camp and the preseason, but right now the O-line is in decent shape. And I consider that good news. Julian Davenport has played well and is the presumed starter at left tackle until Eric Fisher returns. Left guard Quentin Nelson might possibly be ready for week one. The roster solidified O-line depth, securing Danny Pinter and Chris Reed, who have both played well recently. The O-line group has muddled through the trash heap and appears to be digging itself out in the nick of time. 
And now, the bad news. This list might be long, but I narrowed it to three bits, and let's start with the secondary. The number three cornerback is still a mystery, one I hoped would be solved by the end of the preseason, but now TJ Carey is hurt, Marvell Tell was cut, so that leaves Rakyasin to be the starter. He's been okay, but not great. Rock gave up a pretty easy touchdown in the final preseason game against the Lions, and right now the Seattle Seahawks, who the Colts play in week one, are probably showing that clip on repeat. The Lions have one of the worst receiver groups in the league, so I shudder to think what the Seattle wideouts will cook up against the Colts secondary, specifically targeting that third corner. We can only hope that Matt Eberflus and Rock are watching that same embarrassing clip and scripting a plan to reverse it. Safety depth is an issue as well. The two starters are in place, Julian Blackman and Kari Willis. George Odom has been okay as a reserve, but he's mostly just a special teams guy. I thought the Colts might keep at least one of the Sean Davises active, but I was wrong. Both are headed to the practice squad. Andre Sachere, I guess that's how it's pronounced, or at least that's how it was pronounced in the final preseason games, but he was kept initially, then he was booted off. There's a prayer referenced in the Bible that asks for a hedge of protection. This prayer is often prayed for the protection of children and loved ones. Colts fans, let's all join together and pray for a thick and immovable hedge of protection around starting safeties Julian Blackman and Kari Willis because it's a steep drop-off in the back end after those two guys. Quarterback depth similarly is a problem, although hopefully it isn't a problem we need to worry about. The young mobile rookie quarterback Sam Ellinger is injured and headed to IR, so he will miss at least three games. That leaves Jacob Eason to be the only backup with any notable reps and possibly the starter if Carson Wentz can't go. I am excited for Eason's opportunity. I've wanted to see him get a shot even before the Colts traded for Wentz, but not everyone shares my excitement. Chris Ballard sat down with the media Wednesday, and when asked if he felt comfortable with Jacob Eason being the backup to start the season, Ballard shrugged and said, It's what we got. <laughs> That doesn't sound like a glowing affirmation to me, but honestly, Ballard looked tired and drained from a stressful week. I don't want to read too much into his lack of excitement. The team has prepared Eason for this role. In fact, he's gotten far more reps than expected since Wentz, the starter, was a ghost throughout much of the preseason. Lastly, as excited as I am about the young wide receivers making the roster and being thrust into prominent roles early, I have to acknowledge that it could backfire. <laughs> T.Y. Hilton is out indefinitely with a neck injury. That leaves Michael Pittman Jr., Zach Paschal, and Paris Campbell as the only players who have logged some regular season snaps in this unit. Paschal leads the way by far and has started 31 games in his career. Pittman and Campbell have only 18 total starts between them. Experience at the wideout position could be an issue for this team, and unfortunately, it's a problem Carson Wentz has experienced all too often. Once again, he'll be asked to forge connections with inexperienced receivers. I'm hopeful 
but reasonably anxious. First the good, then the bad, now the messy. I mentioned that cornerback slash safety Andre Sachere was cut. Well, he wasn't cut initially. He made the original 53, then the Colts claimed two cornerbacks, the Carius Keys and Chris Wilcox. About 24 hours after celebrating the roster announcement, Sachere was then cut, which ignited a spewing of tweets from someone whom I assume is Sachere's wife. The woman claimed that Andre was cut while FaceTiming his children and minutes before taking the practice field for the team that no longer employed him. Among the tweets and drama was a real-life story of a man who abruptly lost his job and publicly saw the rug pulled out from under his feet. It was a messy reminder that this is a dark and dirty business sometimes, even for an organization that has a relatively good reputation. Former Colts punter and current podcaster Pat McAfee recently stated that players should pause celebrations until that first check clears. This advice was sadly true for Andre Sachere. I do have an update on Sachere. He was claimed Thursday by the Philadelphia Eagles, so let's hope things work out for him there. The roster cut slashed a bit of a mess, but the mess only heaped larger as the week rolled along. In fact, the day before the roster was announced, the Colts placed Ryan Kelly, Zach Paschal, and Carson Wentz on the COVID-19 list. With the first game less than two weeks away, three of the Colts' pillars were removed. To my knowledge, none of these players tested positive for COVID, and they were instead listed for close contact. So I guess it could have been worse. But again, Colts fans were foreshadowed with a deep concern that will not dissolve anytime soon. Let me be clear, this is and will be a problem for the entire season, especially for the Colts, a team that is one of the least vaccinated teams in the league. I'm not interested in the political aspects of this discussion. It's not my business to tell anybody to shoot up a vaccination. But what I do want to say is that these players, especially the leader of this team, the leaders of this team, need to be available for this team to succeed. It's that simple. The Colts have not won the division since 2014 and have not won a season opener since 2013. There's a new quarterback in town with a lot to prove. You all know this. You know all of this. Yet, I can't think of a team in a more fragile predicament than the Colts right now. This is a bad situation that is going to get messier as the season unfolds. What the Colts need are players leaders who are available for every game and every practice. Specifically about Wentz, I'm truly frustrated. It was nearly two years to the day that Andrew Luck retired. It sucked, but let's move on. I'm ready. We're all ready to move on, but what we need is a guy who can lead this team. We need a guy who is available. I keep hearing that the team is communicating well and respecting diverse positions and that's great, but what happens when the Sunday comes and half of the team is removed for close contact? Am I supposed to believe that this isn't going to cause a schism for the guys in blue? And how does that not widen to a canyon if the losses pile up? 
It's a small issue now that I worry could develop into a messier problem for the 2021 Indianapolis Colts. All right, maybe I was a little bit fired up. I do always like to end on a positive note. However, I have been frustrated this week with the current state of the Colts, and it's not just me. I can see it, and I sense it among Colts fans. More than that, I could see it. I could see the frustration and the exhaustion on Chris Ballard's face in his Wednesday press conference. The man looked tired and not particularly happy. What's worse is that this week's mess was a foreshadowing tinge of what will follow this team throughout the entire 2021 season. That truth is exhausting. But the good news is that week one is nine days away. Carson Wentz is now practicing and healthy. As of today, Thursday, he is expected to start week one. Paris Campbell is also healthy. Eric Fisher is getting there. And Dio will be soon enough. The defensive line looks ready terrifyingly ready. The Colts have a dynamic mix of established veteran players and young talent. If the Colts are able to dodge the COVID monster, there's plenty of excitement to enjoy with this team. Please join me, Colts fans, in looking on and trying each day to see the beautiful bright side. And we'll talk to you next week. This has been a presentation of the Blue Notes podcast. I'm Benjamin Taylor. Thank you for listening.